Welcome to How High Can You Jump? My name is Carter May and I'm a 17-year-old high school junior. Over the past few years, adults have asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? Pretty straightforward question that should be easy to answer, right? Well, it's not. At least it's not for most high schoolers. As it turns out, I've given it some thought and I do have an idea of what I want for my future and ultimately what I'll do when I grow up. So I'm on a mission to learn more. Join me as I have conversations with people whom I respect and admire, am inspired by, and am genuinely interested in learning more about their professional life story. We'll talk about what they studied in college, the twists and turns of their career path, and what they're doing today. I hope their stories inspire you so you have more confidence in answering the age-old question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Hey listeners, Carter Ray here. Today I'm really excited to introduce Conrad Ray, who's the head golf coach here at Stanford, and he runs the Stanford Golf Camps. Um, he's won several championships as both a player and a coach, um, and he's kind of solidified himself as one of the best uh, collegiate golf coaches ever, I would say. Uh, so, hey, Conrad, how are you doing today? Well, hey, Carter, nice to talk with you today. Uh, appreciate the warm introduction, and you know, I, I don't know, it's been uh, it's been almost twenty years of coaching, and and yeah. uh, you know, good as they say, good players make good coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's great to have you on the podcast. Really eager to learn more about your kind of professional career and really how you become so successful. So to kick things off, I mean, a lot of my listeners and I are going through this whole college experience right now and trying to get to college. Um, so uh, I'm aware that you attended Pacelli High School in Austin, Minnesota, and played football there, among other sports. Um, so tell me a little bit about the sports you played in high school and how they kind of shaped your plans for the for college. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fun to talk about that. I have some great memories of growing up in southern Minnesota. Uh, Austin, Minnesota was my hometown, small town, USA. Uh, not a lot there, a bunch of cornfields, uh, mm. Hormel foods has their corporate office there that my dad worked for, for a number of years, over, over 40 years actually. But it was just uh, big enough or just small enough, depending on how you looked at it. You could, you could play a bunch of sports, uh, sing in the choir, play in the orchestra, get good grades, uh, of have course. a little bit of exposure to, um, normal life. And, but I, I love sports from an early age, um, football, hockey, and golf are my three sports. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I probably, my passion was for ice hockey actually, um, yeah. but I was the worst at it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's usually how it works. Um, and football, uh, we had a great team, had a number of guys go division one, um, back in the day. And I thought i my dream was to play college football for Lou Holtz at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. uh, being a, being a Catholic kid from the Midwest. Um, but I realized pretty quickly that, that, uh, that wasn't going to be my path. And, mm-hmm. and I was better off to maybe try and find some opportunities through golf. And so I, I ended up at, at Stanford after writing, kind of going on a letter campaign back mm-hmm. in the day. There wasn't a lot of email, so you wrote you wrote out handwritten letters and sent VHS tapes to coaches and hope, hopefully that you'd you get a reply. So yeah. uh, that's how I ended up at Stanford. The coach here um, ended up writing me back saying, hey, I'm not taking any scholarship players, but if you can get your test score high enough, I'll, I'll try and support you as a walk-on candidate. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed to hear, you know, coming from a small town in the Midwest, California seemed like a foreign country at the time, but, um, I'm glad I took the, took the leap of faith and had a little courage to, to come West. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then besides kind of sports, what were some of the other schools that you were kind of pursuing or some, some, uh, some of the schools that you were pursuing because of your major stuff like that? Yeah. I, I just, I grew up in an academic, um, uh, academic family. My mom was a teacher. I had one younger sister 
uh, parents always stressed high level academics just because I think my mom was in academics. And then also my dad never went to college. So I think he, in the working world, uh, saw the value of having a great degree mm -hmm. from somewhere and, and what that taught you in life. Um, and so my sister and I grew up in a place where, uh, you had to, you had to do school or you weren't going to do anything else. Yeah. And so we focused on that and, uh, had some great, awesome teachers along the way. Uh, the, the whole system in Austin, uh, St. St. Augustine, Queens, junior high, Pacelli high school, they were great places to, to really dig in and have a great academic experience. And that opened so many doors for me down the road. So, you know, as I talk to young people every day at my job, you know, recruit them to Stanford, that's, that's 90% of the conversation is how they're doing in school. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that gets lost in the, in today's day and age with sports and, and success and scores and kind of the bright lights. But at the end of the day, if you can't do the schoolwork, you know, it, it doesn't open as many doors for you. Of course, of course. Uh, and then, I mean, when you got to Stanford, your freshman year golf team was spectacular to say the least, you know? Um, so tell me a little bit about the athletes uh, that you played with. I mean, Tiger, everybody knows the Tiger one, but tell me a little about, about their accomplishments uh, before they were, they were kind of these big career players. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I've grown to love this more and more almost 20 years coaching at Stanford, but it is a place that draws people from all around the world, different walks of life, different demographics. And the one common thread with a lot of the people here, if not all of them, is that they're really highly motivated and they want to succeed at whatever they do. Mm -hmm. And so that was the same when we think about the golf team that I was able to walk on. I mean, you had um, Tiger coming in my sophomore year, um, but even prior to that, Nota Begay, you know, here's a guy, he's a great story. He's still in the world of golf. He's doing a bunch of things with the golf channel and in junior okay. golf and, and spreading, you know, really trying to pay it forward from the experience he had. But he grew up on a reservation uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm -hmm. just as a story, lived in a in a dirt floored home until he was age 12 and yeah. got a chance to get a scholarship to play golf at Stanford, was an All-American here, was the first uh, full-blooded uh, Native American to play on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, his success story is awesome. Won four times in the PGA Tour, uh, has had a phenomenal career in golf. Um, so that's just one example. Another example is Casey Martin, who is a teammate yeah. that I joined. Casey's coaching at Oregon now, but uh, was born uh, at a young age with a with a deficiency in his right leg. Ultimately, uh, he lost he has lost his leg, has mm -hmm. a prosthetic, um, but went through his college years basically playing one-legged and was an All-American and wow. a huge competitor. So Insane. I think I think everyone that I always had come across during my time at Stanford, and I still try and find these stories as a coach recruiting to Stanford, is that there there's this common thread of being really highly motivated, having a cool story to tell. And then once those stories combine, the narrative, uh, you know, really becomes the fabric of what Stanford's all about. Of course, of course. Um, and then, you know, we'll get back to collegiate sports in a second, but we're, we're going to kind of pivot towards uh, your academics here at Stanford. I mean, you, we kind of look over the fact that you did go to Stanford and Stanford is an insanely academically rigorous school. So uh, I kind of want to talk about a little bit about what you studied. Um, and I guess also what influenced your, your certain academic yeah. path. Well, I, I, I've always, I, I've always liked that about my pathway through the Stanford experience because I kind of showed up at Stanford with not a clue of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I take that back. I actually wanted to be a, I thought I wanted to be a doctor and then I took freshman chemistry yeah. and I realized <laughs> that the, 
Now I know that they use freshman chemistry classes to weed all those people out of that course. show up at Stanford that yeah. want to be a doctor. But it was, I, I think I failed my first two midterms in chem and mm -hmm. I was, you know, calling my parents saying, Hey, this is all she wrote. I'll see you. I'm going to buy a ticket home. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got through all that. And then I realized that, you know, working, uh, in business or around business or the world of golf, I, I felt like the that staying close to kind of the financial economic side was something I wanted to do. I ultimately majored in public policy, which is the economic core here at Stanford. And then some policy classes, um, I would say less, um, less about the numbers, more about kind of policy analysis, cost benefit analysis, uh, use pulling in some psychology, pulling in some philosophy, those types of things to make up the pu public policy major. And it was a great experience. Um, it's a smaller major at Stanford. Uh, and, and I've always loved that. Uh, Stanford really has a, a robust catalog. You can kind of find what you want to do okay. if you take the time to really research and think about it critically. And if you can't find anything that they don't offer, you can create your own major, which is unique, I think, as well. So uh, from an academic standpoint, you can definitely explore. And that kind of coming full circle, I needed that because... I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And if there's any bits of advice that I give my team and and people new to Stanford is actually don't show up thinking that you have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Actually come to school or come to college with an open mind about what you might of course what you might find that you love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're on the Stanford campus right now in the Stanford golf kind of sector. Um this campus is just gorgeous and the people here are incredible. Uh can you kind of share one memory uh, by being a, a student here at Stanford, not in particular as, uh, as being a golf, uh, a golf student here, but also mainly just kind of being a student here at Stanford. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in the era where it was the start of serious technology in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. I think that's something I look back on and, and you even wonder in my own pathway, like if I would have made a couple different decisions or not ended up playing uh, professional golf or making a career in golf, what I would be doing otherwise. Um, but, but one story is I had a great friend, uh, that, uh, was in our fraternity, my sophomore year, he was on the wrestling team, uh, didn't, didn't find a job. You know, everyone else is going off for the summer. He's mm -hmm. still looking for that one thing to do. And he was hanging around training and lo and behold lands, uh, an internship at Facebook, which wow. was, basically the start of it all. Yeah. And he ended up being one of the first employees that they hired after a summer internship. Wow. He's subsequently gone on to be uh, CEO of a couple of different Silicon Valley companies mm -hmm. um, and has had this unbelievable run in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Clearly super successful, probably yeah. doesn't need to work a whole lot anymore, <laughs> but he's still plugged in. Um, but that's just an example of some of the magic that happens here. I feel like, like right now on campus, AI is kind of the hot topic mm -hmm. and, how people are using their computer science and even other majors to plug into kind of what's hot in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And uh, um, that's something that Stanford, I think, opens a lot of eyes to and, and minds. And I look back on that whole experience and and even, even the fact that I went into sport, I still feel like I benefited from knowing people and seeing that process of, of course. identifying a cool track of business and and that just happens to be technology over the last 20 years in mm -hmm. Silicon Valley. I mean, yeah, it's like, area of innovation. We're in the middle of it. Uh, so you did mention that you were in the Sigma Chi fraternity mm -hmm. here at Stanford. Uh, so kind of tell me a little bit about the decision, but also 
uh, some of your experiences as, yeah. as a member in that. Well, I, I think it's been, it's really has been fascinating, um, you know, just at a national level, kind of how fraternity and sorority membership, a Greek life has been viewed. I, I think when, when I was going through it, um, it really was about uh, finding friends with, with similar interests, um, charitable work, doing good on campus, having yeah. a fun place to live. Uh, all within the constraints of being smart and and enjoying, you know, uh, following the rules in somewhat space. Um, I think Greek life has been sadly mischaracterized a little bit since then over the last stretch. But, okay. um, you know, the Sigma Chi House at Stanford was an awesome place to live. I, I, w- I didn't go into, especially because I was a student athlete and I was nervous about balancing, mm-hmm. um, you know, a Greek life, uh, a fraternity uh, setting along with being a very dedicated student athlete, but I found um, that there were some other players on the team that uh, were involved. Um, I, you know, there were a number of athletes of different sports, which was compelling, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just decided to see if that was. And, and frankly, too, it was a great place geographically to live on campus. Mm-hmm. It was really close to the center yeah. of campus and easy to get everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's where I ended up, and uh, I wouldn't trade that time for anything. I, you know, I still keep in close touch with a number of my fraternity brothers and guys that have gone on to be super successful in all walks of life. So, um, you know, I, I think I don't. I'm proud to identify uh, as a former fraternity member and a Sigma Chi. I know that sometimes that comes with reservations nowadays because yeah. of all the stuff that's gone on with Greek life around the country. But of course. Um, we had a good group of guys and, and wouldn't trade it for the world. That's great. That's great. Um, so we'll get back a little bit more to your college golf career now. Um, you played with a teammate known around the world, Tiger Woods. Uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, who he really is as a person and kind of how your how your relationship was built with him. Yeah, he, he uh, to this day, I, I consider him a great friend. Um, he came in my sophomore year. He was a bit of a prodigy, a bit of a phenom even then before he even touched a, hit a shot in college golf. He had mm-hmm. won three USGA junior championships, which wow. nowadays, if you win uh, one, you can kind of write your ticket around the country in terms of full scholarship and opportunity. Of course. But yeah. if you think about it, Tiger had won three before he even got to Stanford. Mm-hmm. And then proceeded to win three U.S. amateurs, which is the next level of competition. And so he had six consecutive USGA championships under his belt, you know, as he's leaving Stanford. Wow. Um, so he's a phenom. And I think his record as a pro has shown that no one, I don't think everyone, will, anyone will ever match that winning record again, mm-hmm. at least in my lifetime. And uh, uh, so you have to respect that. Clearly, he um, he's had a wild ride, mm-hmm. like w- whether it's injury uh, family stuff, um, all of the ups and downs that he's gone through. Of course. I've never met a guy that's more disciplined. Um, never met a guy that's as focused and hardworking as he is. Um, I think he's earned his success on the golf course, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I just feel fortunate to be able to have seen him kind of at the height of his career. Um, you know, he's not getting any younger and we're all kind of hoping he, he plays again. Uh, but uh, and, and I always joke with Tiger, I'm like, look, I'm not going to bug you a whole lot um, about Stanford, uh, but I'm going to drop your name a lot to of my course. recruits, yeah. you know, because he's still still relevant. Even mm-hmm. even guys like your age, Carter, that I talked to about Stanford, uh, they want to know about Tiger, mm-hmm. you know, and the guy's the goat. No question about it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's cool to have been able to carry his luggage a little bit. Of course. Yeah. How would you say he uh, he influenced you, whether it was uh, within your own kind of game or also uh, building yourself as who you are now, you know? Yeah, no, I, 
I think that um, one thing I learned distinctly from Tiger was that n- no one, no one really is going to feel sorry for you. And and this may come across as a little harsh, but like I think nowadays, I think everyone, including myself, wants sympathy on stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Tiger, Tiger's just really hard nosed. He's a little old school in that regard that mm-hmm. you need to earn your success. And if you don't like, don't complain about it or don't expect anything from anyone. Yeah. You, know, you have to earn your right to, to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he boils that down. I love how he approaches even his own game. Sometimes he's like, I have to, you know, he got a lot of criticism when he was in a young player out in the PGA tour about his temper, mm-hmm. uh, for example. And, you know, he, he feels like you have to earn your right to even be mad on the golf course. Yeah. And you do that by outpracticing people and having higher expectations. So if you extrapolate that into regular life, I think there's a lot to be learned and seen by like Tiger's career. He, of course. he, 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 he has fought hard his whole career to be successful mm-hmm. and no one can take that away from him. And I think there's a powerful lesson in that. Yeah. Great. Um, so as you were kind of nearing the end of your college career, you kind of had this big decision to make whether to go pro or take a different route. Um, so tell me a little bit about your kind of career as, as a professional golfer and uh kind of those years that followed after that. yeah well i you know it is a challenge right you finish with a degree from stanford you love academics and then you have this choice okay do i go out in the working world do i try and play professional golf what do i do right Mm -hmm. Uh, i opted uh to play professional golf i spent almost eight years seven and a half years playing professional golf uh i think i went to eight or nine q schools qualifying schools for the pga tour spent most of my time playing on the corn ferry tour which is like triple a baseball today uh, and had, had, it was doing fine. Like I was paying my bills, yeah. uh, traveling all around the world. Um, I loved the pursuit of, of my career. I think that's something that all golfers come to a point with is that, um, if you measure your success by wins and losses in golf, it's kind of a defeating purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe tiger can do that, but yeah. most of the time <laughs> you're losing in golf. So, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it was like, I really loved the journey. I met a ton of great friends and people saw the world. Uh, and then I got married and, um, the first year I was married, I was on the road, like almost 30 weeks a year mm-hmm. of that, of that year. And my poor wife, Jennifer was kind of like, how's this going to work out? You know? So you kind of have to make a life decision on, yeah. you know, do I keep trying this? I was getting better, getting close to the tour. And then as life throws you curveballs, I got this opportunity to come back and interview for the Stanford job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had a big decision to make on, on if I take, took it or not at the time, it was a hard decision. I look back on it now. I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, I just kind of dove into the coaching, like I did my own professional career. I kind of didn't know maybe exactly what I was all about, but I was willing to work at it and try and recruit some good guys at Stanford. Yeah. yeah, Great. Um, I mean, how did you, how did you kind of get this Stanford coaching job? I know you said like you came back and you got the interview and stuff like that, but were there, uh, initial kind of mentors or people who kind of were drawing you back to Stanford? Well, and I, pulling I, you in? I think, um, the, the biggest guy in my life of influence was a guy named Wally Goodwin, who was my coach here at Stanford. He was mm-hmm. an All-American or Hall of Famer. He coached a bunch of All-Americans and Wally was just an inspirational guy. He, um, so I always held him in really high regard. And I thought to myself, well, if I couldn't play for a living, then coaching might, might be the next best thing. Of course. And then when I interviewed, I was like, well, if they give me a one or two year contract to start out, I could always go back and play professionally. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I approached it. And we ended up winning the national championship my third year here, which is pretty cool in 2007. Um, wow. But but to me, it was more about like, OK, how do I see myself working a job I really love? And mm-hmm. I love being around the game. But I also think that 
Um, maybe I got that from my mom. I've, I've really enjoyed the process of learning and like helping other people, you know, appreciate Stanford and maybe be the best version of themselves. And so those were all things that were checking the box for me when I, when I was able to get back and coach. Amazing. I mean, to say, to say your time here, uh, was a success is really an understatement. I mean, you've, you've, you're coming up on your 20th years coaching. Uh, you've won so many NCAA championships, uh, coached a ton of all Americans, uh, won coach of the year multiple times now in the NCGA hall of fame. Uh, I just wanted to say congratulations on your, a lot of your accomplishments. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, you're nice to call those out. I feel like yeah. those are all things in the past. I don't, I don't, you know, I think I've got golfers mentality on some of the success the teams had, because, you know, when you play golf, you're, you're trying to forget most of the time you're, you're, you know, all, I don't really remember all the different holes. Yeah. I remember the relationships, um, you know, all the different occurrences, all those things kind of go under the bridge and it's hard for me to recall that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel, like I said, when we first started, I, I've been super lucky to recruit amazing players to Stanford, amazing guys, and that leads to success. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like some of those, um, you know, those things that you mentioned are more of a reflection of a good team and good players. And I was just lucky enough to be driving the bus for those, those yeah, years. Yeah. 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 I mean, this kind of success is really, really not easy. So what is one thing that you would really pinpoint, uh, to kind of attribute to your success? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's probably the same in anything. I, I think hard, you can't get around hard work, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you love it, you're going to work hard at it, hopefully. Um, and, and really, loving it for the goods and the bads. There's been a lot of seasons where we've come up short. There's been a lot of heartbreaks moment, heartbreaking moments. There's been a lot of recruits that I've missed on, uh, you know, all of those things add up and you know, that's all part of the journey too. So to me, the, the two biggest things that I always try and have as calling cards are hard work and just love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't love what you're doing, figure out something else to do because yeah, yeah. life's too short. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about, uh, the business of being a head coach. I mean, you're the, the head coach here at, uh, at Stanford for, for golf, but you're also kind of the general manager of this area. Um, so as a coach, you're coaching players to be their best. Um, most of these student athletes are already, they have a ton of wins under their belt and accomplishments. I mean, just like Tiger, a ton of accomplishments before coming into this program. So tell me a little bit about how you approach coaching some of these more high caliber uh, athletes and kind of push them over to their edge to, to squeeze a little bit more gas out of the tank. Yeah. I, I think that um, honesty on all fronts is powerful, right? I think that whether you're dealing with the business aspects of a program, the business aspects of the Stanford golf course, like really looking in the mirror and being open and honest about what needs improvement and not, and having the courage to say what you think. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you get around good players or good, you know, successful people, or, you know, maybe people that have had a ton of, you know, an unbelievable run in Silicon Valley. Of course. And there's a little bit of a tiptoe that goes on uh -huh. with like just being open and honest about what needs to get better and, mm -hmm. and also recognizing what's great already. Uh, so I, I've tried to mince through that some, you know, you gotta be honest and, and that's sometimes not easy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a skill nowadays that I, I'm trying to empower our guys to have that too, like of our course. team, because I think that that very interpersonal dynamic that exists uh, amongst folks to be open and honest, if you're all on the same page is powerful, you can get stuff done. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, the business, is, the business side of that is that, you know, Stanford has a golf course that's world renowned. Um, there's a team that play two teams that play here in the men's and women's program that use that golf course. Athletics is considered to be Stanford athletics is considered to be one of the top athletics programs. So there's a, there's a certain synergy there that works when 
everything's going the right way. And mm-hmm. so that, that, that keeps me fired up every morning to come to work, to try and like chip away at all those little mm-hmm. things that might be slowing each one of those avenues down. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, so. of course. Um, I mean, and normally with a lot of the people that I interview, I'd ask what kind of like their day to day is like, but I think with you, it's a lot more looking at a, a yearly kind of scheduling wise thing. Um, I'm just wondering how you juggle like being a coach and managing your business all at the same time. Yeah, it's a good question. Some days I ask myself the same question. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things I remember this distinctly, one, I actually was fortunate enough to work for Bill Walsh, who's a legendary uh, okay. Stanford athletic director, former coach of the 49ers. 49ers. Yep. Um, and I, I had a few great sessions with Coach Walsh um, before he passed. He was a gentleman and, and uh, obviously super highly successful. He gave me a great tip. He said, um, you know, every day you go into work, like make a, you know, have your buckets of stuff you need to do, but then write out, like really technically write out two or three things in each bucket and see if that can be your game plan for the day. Mm -hmm. I think where he was driven by was his game plan for games. Mm -hmm. And so he used that when he was the athletic director, he used that in private business, used that for the 49ers. So I still do that today. Like I get here early, um, kind of getting the day ahead of me, thinking about what's going to go on, knowing what my calendar looks like, but then really truly scratching out two or three things to accomplish or try to accomplish in every bucket of what I have to do. And, and it doesn't become as overwhelming that way. And Mm -hmm. I think it, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good um, thing to do, whether you're a golfer trying to get better, you're a business person, uh, you're a student of the stuff you need to do. I think, I think um, it's easy to like have big dreams and to think about where you want to go and to set goals. I actually think that's quite easy. Mm-hmm. It's the actual doing yeah. that's the hard part. And of so course. finding ways to like hold yourself accountable is a key to success. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I've tried to approach uh, what we're doing here at Stanford yeah. golf. Amazing. Um, I mean, additionally, you also run this uh, Stanford, Stanford golf camp. Uh, I did it for many years when I was younger. Yeah. But uh, former camper. I yeah. Know. I remember. Yeah. But you, you, kind of accumulate a lot of these young golfers from, I mean, even around the world. So what is kind of your role in running that, that program? Um, and then what's one of your probably favorite memories from yeah. that program? Well, I, I'm a, I'm a co-owner of the camps with Ann Walker, a women's coach. And so, uh, we're basically responsible for, um, running it, organizing it, uh, managing all the risk, uh, uh, but then we also get to reap the benefits too. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a, a part of the model that Stanford athletics sets up for a lot of the head coaches where they can own the camps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we see over 300 kids a year. Uh, it's, it's, this may sound weird, but I feel like kind of a strong obligation and a responsibility to introduce people to the game in a good way. Of course. Uh, yeah. Our facility is a big part of that, you know, mm-hmm. so um, you smile when you talk about Stanford golf camp. So that yeah. means we, you know, you're, we probably need to get you playing more golf carter, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you have good memories of it. Right. Mm-hmm, and, and hopefully that's a great introduction for guys like you to, and, and kids like you to the game. So, um, that's something that we don't, uh, hold lightly. Um, it's a big thing. And there's a reason why we're approaching almost 30 years with the Stanford golf camp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, we, we knock it out. We're kind of fast and furious in, in the months of June and early July, but, uh, we'd love for anyone that wants to either work or play or participate to reach out to us because the, the camps are something cool. Mm-hmm. That's great. And yeah, I mean, listeners, you guys would think that's the end, but I mean, I'm really not sure how you have any more time, but you do host a weekly radio show called Golf You. 
um, run me down a little bit on what's the what's the format of the show and how yeah. that how that really got underway. You know? No, it's a super cool side project that I've worked on uh, for a number of years now. Uh, I think we've taped, geez, well over well over three hundred shows. Um, it's an hour long program weekly on Sirius XM PGA mm-hmm. Tour Radio. Uh, it's I, I do it with a co host named Kyle Gentry, who is mm-hmm. one of my former players. So okay. that's really fun. Yeah. I, I've seen Kyle grow up. Uh, he, he is awesome. He kind of keeps me in line much like you have today. Uh, but, uh, you know, we just talk all things, college golf on the radio. We have guests, we talk to coaches, we talk to winners of tournaments, you know, the college and amateur game in this whole spectrum of golf, as we know, it has really grown in a strong way, uh, both men and women. Uh, Mm -hmm. and we try and highlight all those stories. So it's, it's been a super, uh, great deal, uh, to, to work through it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it, I hope everyone tunes in, you can find it on Sirius XM on the PGA tour channel. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll keep doing it for another four years. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, there we go. Uh, so we've covered a lot here. We're going to step back for a second. Um, here on how high can you jump? We do this little, uh, lightning round. So, okay. uh, the word lightning is a little ambiguous. You can really answer them just at whatever pace just, you want. Yeah. Be careful of lightning on the golf course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. You got to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first question we have is, uh, why do you, why do they call Stanford the farm? Yeah. I've heard that a lot. And, uh, my mom actually brought it up and, uh, I'm just wondering, like, it's, it's very odd. So yeah, the farm, uh, Leland and Jane Stanford back in the day, okay. Stanford sits on the largest landmass campus of any university in the world, other than the university of Moscow. Okay. Uh, this used to be the Leland Stanford farm, uh, their horse ranch, their land that they, they used to come and travel down to from the city. So Amazing. it's affectionately known as the farm. Yeah. Super cool. Um, and then, like I've said, you, you juggle a, a ton of stuff. Uh, so what is something that you really kind of do for fun outside of, uh, your, your, your show, your, your coaching, your general managing, what, what do you do? Yeah. I, I love watching my daughters play sports. Okay, I mean, that's, uh, as a sport dad and, uh, I've got three girls and they're cranking in sports and having fun. So I chase them around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I love getting out on, I have a boat up in Lake Tahoe. That's mm-hmm. kind of my happy place. I, you know, fun. you get out, uh, on a beautiful summer day in Lake Tahoe. Uh, or on a ski slope up there, that's a good way to get away. But uh, um, those are kind of two things I would highlight as stuff that I love to do. Of course, of course. Um, and then what is a what is a fun or funny memory uh, from playing or coaching career? Uh, maybe something that you haven't really talked about yet, but if you could go into uh, depth about that. Yeah, um, gosh, I don't know. I guess maybe my biggest shenanigan was uh, uh, there were some teammates of, of, of ours. We, we used to, if you were a scrub on the team, you'd drop the traveling five off of the airport. Coach yeah. would say, good job, get the van back to campus. We, we were known to make a few runs into downtown San Francisco with yeah. the Stanford golf van, but don't tell anyone, Carter. Yeah, that's that's probably could get trouble for it. But we've had plenty of fun along the way. Um, and, and that's what college is all about, you know, and I, would like to keep it light with my team too. We, mm. we have a lot of laughs as much as we do serious focused conversation about, mm. you know, not three putting. So, yeah. uh, keeping it fun is the key. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and then just out of pure curiosity, what is your favorite club to hit with? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, whatever one's working that day, I think, okay, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I've always liked hitting the driver. I mean, who doesn't want to hit the big dog, right? So, mm. uh, if you can hit it on the center and hit it far, the game gets pretty easy. It's fun too. Uh, and then, I mean, the last question we have with this with this round is, if you weren't kind of in this career that you were right now, um, what would you be doing? I know you hinted a little bit about wanting to be a doctor, but what, what, what do you yeah, think you would be Yeah, that's a really good question because I, I try not to 
I guess I don't think about the future as much as I maybe should, but I'm kind of a day-to-day guy. But um, I, I'm guessing I'd probably end up in some space of being a, an educator, some sort of a group leader, you know, that type of thing, whether mm-hmm. it's in business, leading a team or, uh, or teaching something. Um, I like, I like competition, right? Course, so yeah. that, that's the thing that keeps me, you know, going to, I like, I like the, the juice that you get when you're competing at something. And so mm-hmm. whatever that might be, I'd probably in that, be in that realm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, congratulations, Conrad, you passed our lightning round, right. uh, but here, so our, our trademark question here okay. on how high can you jump is, uh, it's one that really makes you think a little bit more. Um, so here we go. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I have to think deeply about it. I, I would say uh, be courageous. Um, I, I remember when I was 15, 16, 17, how I was really nervous to like engage and talk and put myself out there with adults, especially. Of course. But yeah. I deemed to be adults. And <laughs> I think uh, just like you're doing with this podcast, Carter, I give you credit because this is unique. It's out of the box, like at your age. And I think you need to kids, not you, but other kids should do stuff like this yes, where thank you. finding, finding, uh, ways to push your comfort zone, mm-hmm. uh, pays back dividends. And, uh, I wish I would have done that more when I was, uh, and, and for me, that version was, Hey, I'm going to pack up all my stuff and move to California mm-hmm. from a small Midwestern town. Yeah. And, and I look at what that jump took me. Um, so I guess as, as it relates to the title of the pod, uh, how high can you jump? That's my version of how high I, you know, if it was measured in inches, I'd be, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there we go. Uh, that's the podcast, everyone. Thank you again, Conrad, so much, uh, for your time and sharing your experience with me. You bet Carter. Great to be with you, buddy. There we go. Thank you for joining us today on how high can you jump? We hope you enjoyed this insightful conversation as much as we did. If you found value in today's episode, please consider subscribing or leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find our video versions on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Can't wait to see you next time on How High Can You Jump?